Section twenty three of the Purple Cloud. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Gabby Cowan. The Purple Cloud by Matthew Phipps Shield. Section twenty three. About eight in the morning i rose and made my way to the front intending that that should be my last night in this ruined place for all the night sleeping and waking the thing which had happened filled my brain growing from one depth of incredibility to a deeper so that at last i arrived at a sort of certainty that it could be nothing but a drunken dream but as i opened my eyes afresh the deep cutting realization of that impossibility smote like a pang of lightning stroke through my being and i said i will go again to the far orient and forget and i started out from the court not knowing what had become of her during the night till having reached the outer chamber with a wild start i saw her lying there at the door in the very spot where i had flung her asleep sidewise head on arm softly softly i stepped over her got out and went running at a cautious clandestine trot the morning was in high fet most fresh and pure and to breathe was to be young and to see such a sunlight lightened even upon ruin so vast was to be blight after running two hundred yards to one of the great broken bazaar portals i looked back to see if i was followed but all that space was desolately empty i then walked on past the arch on which a green oblong once inscribed as usual with some test in gilt hieroglyphs is still discernible and emerging saw the great panorama of destruction a few vast standing walls with hollow oriental windows framing deep sky beyond and here and there pillar of half minaret and down within the walls of the old seraglio still some leafless branchless trunks and in ejove and fanar leafless forests and on the northern horizon pira with the steep upper half of the iani churcha street still there and on the height of the european houses and all between blackness stones a rolling landscape of ravine like the hilly pack eyes of the north if its snow were ink and to the right escutari black laid low with its vast region of tombs and rare stumps of its forests and the blithe blue sea with the winding semicircle of floating debris looking like round full scum at some points congested before bridgeless golden horn for i stood pretty high in the centre of istanbul somewhere in the region of the suleimanate or of sultan selim as i judge with immense purviews into abstract distances and mirage 
and to me it seemed too vast too lonesome and after advancing a few hundred yards beyond the bazaar i turned again i found the girl still asleep at the house door and steering her with my foot woke her she leapt up with a start of surprise and a remarkable sinuous agility and gazed an astounded moment at me till separating reality from dream and habit she realized me but immediately subsided to the floor again being in evident pain i pulled her up and made her limp after me through several holes to the inner court and the well where i set her upon the weedy margin took her foot in my lap examined it drew water washed it and bandaged it with a strip torn from my caftan hem now and again speaking gruffly to her so that she might no more follow me after this i had breakfast by the kiosk steps and when i was finished put a mass of truffle fougar on a plate brushed through the thicket to the well and gave it to her she took it but looked foolish not eating i then with my forefinger put a little into her mouth whereupon she set hungrily to eat it all i also gave her some gingerbread a handful of bonbons some krishnu wine and some anisette i then started out afresh gruffly binding her stay there and left her sitting on the well her hair falling down the opening she peering after me through the bushes but i had not had reached the ogival bazaar portal when looking anxiously back i saw that she was limping after me so that this creature tracks me in the manner of a nutshell following me about in the wake of a ship i turned back with her to the house for it was necessary that i should plan some further method of eluding her that was five days ago and here i have stayed for the house and court are sufficiently agreeable and form a museum or real objects the art it is settled however that to-morrow i return to imbros it seems certain that she never wore saw or knew of clothes i have dressed her first sousing her thoroughly with the sponge and soap in lukewarm rose water in the silver cistern of the harem bath which is a circular marbled apartment with a fountain and the complicated ceilings of these houses and frescoes and gilt tests of the koran on the walls and pale rose silk hangings on the divan i had heaped a number of selected garments and having showed her how to towel herself i made her step into a pair of the trousers called shintiyan made of yellow strip white silk this by a running string i tied loosely round the upper part of her hips then drawing up the bottoms to her knees tied them there so that their voluminous baggy folds overhanging still to the ankles have rather the look of a skirt over this i put upon her a blue strip chiffon chemise or quamis reaching a little below the hips i then put 
on a short jacket or vest of scarlet satin thickly embroidered in gold and precious stones reaching somewhat below the waist and pretty tight fitting and making her lie on the couch i put upon her little feet little yellow babouche slippers then anklets on her finger rings round her neck a necklace of sequins finally dyeing her nails which i cut with henna there remained her head but with this i would have nothing to do only pointing to the tarbush which i had brought to a square kerchief to some corals and to the fresco of a woman on the wall which if she chose she might copy lastly i pierced her ears with the silver needles which they used here and after two hours of it left her about an hour afterwards i saw her in the arcade round the court and to my great surprise she had a perfect plait down her back and over her head and brows a green silk ferrage or hood precisely as in the picture here is a question the answer to which would be interesting to me whether or not for twenty years or say rather twenty centuries twenty eternal aeons i have been stark mad a raving maniac and whether or not i am now suddenly sane sitting here writing in my right mind my whole mood and tone changed or rapidly changing and whether such change can be due to the presence of only one other being in the world with me this singular being where she has lived and how is a problem to which not the faintest solution is conceivable she had i say never seen clothes for when i began to dress her her perplexity was unbounded also during her twenty years she has never seen almonds figs nuts liquors chocolate conserves vegetables sugar oil honey sweetmeats orange sherbet mastic salt raki tobacco and many such things for she showed perplexity at all these hesitations to eat them but she has known and tasted white wine i could see that here then is a mystery i have not gone to imbros but remain here some days longer observing her i have allowed her to sit in a corner at meal-time not far from where i eat and i have given her food she is wonderfully clever i continually find that after an incredibly short time she has most completely adapted herself to this or that already she wears her outfit as coquettishly as though born to clothes without at all seeming observant for on the contrary she gives an impression of great flightiness she watches me i am convinced with pretty exact observation she knows precisely when i am speaking roughly binding her go binding her come tired of her tolerant of her scorning her cursing her if i wish her to the devil she quickly divines it by my face and will disappear 
yesterday i noticed something queer about her and soon discovered that she had been staining her lids with black cohol like the hanums so that having found a box she must have guessed its use from the pictures wonderfully clever imitative as a mirror two mornings ago i found an old mother of pearl kitur and sitting under the arcade i touched the strings playing a simple air i could just see her behind one of the arch pillars on the opposite side and she was listening with apparent eagerness and i fancied panting well returning from a walk beyond the fanar walls in the afternoon i heard the same air coming out from the house for she was repeating it prettily faultlessly by ear also during the forenoon of the previous day i came upon her for footsteps make no sound in this house in the pacha's visitor's hall and what was she doing copying the poses of three dancing girls frescoed there so that she would seem to have a character as light as a butterfly and is afraid of nothing now i know i had observed that at the beginning of every meal she seemed to have something on her mind going toward the door hesitating as if to see whether i would follow and then returning at length yesterday after sitting to eat she jumped up and to my infinite surprise said her first word said it with a most quaint experimental effort of the tongue as a fledgling trying the air the word come that morning meeting her in the court i had told her to repeat some words after me but she had made no attempt as if shy to break the long silence of her life and now i felt some sort of foolish pleasure in hearing her utter that word often no doubt heard from me and after hurriedly eating i went with her saying to myself she must be about to show me the food to which she is accustomed and perhaps that will solve her origin and so it has proved i have now discovered that to the moment when she saw me she had tasted only her mother's milk dates and that white wine of ismid which the koran permits as it was getting dark i lit and took with me the big red silk lantern and we set out she leading and walking confoundedly fast slackening when i swore at her and getting fast again and she walks with a certain levity flightiness and liberated furor very hard to describe as though a space were a luxury to be revelled in by what instinctive cleverness or native vigor of memory she found her way i cannot tell but she led me such a walk that night miles miles till i became furious darkness having soon fallen with only a faint moon obscured by cloud and a drizzle which haunted the air she without light climbing and picking her thinly slippered steps over mounds of debris and loosely strewn masonry with unfailing agility 
i occasionally splashing a foot with horror into one of those little ponds which always marked the stamboul streets when i was nearer her i would see her peer across the upward toward pira as if that were a remembered landmark and would note the perpetual aspen oscillations of the long coral drops in her ears and the nimble ply of her limbs wondering with a groan if pira was our goal our goal was even beyond pira when we came to the golden horn she pointed to my kike which lay at the old seraglio steps and over the water we went she lying quite at ease now with her face at the level of the water in the centre of the crescent shape as familiarly as a hanun of all engaged in some escapade through the crowded babel and galata and that north side of the horn through galata we passed i already cursing the journey and following the line of the coast and the great steep thoroughfare of pira we came at last almost in the country to a great wall and the entrance to an immense terrace garden whose limits were invisible many of the trees and avenues being still intact i knew it at once i had lain a special few strain in the great palace at the top of the terraces it was the royal palace gildis up and up we went through the grounds a few unburned old bodies in rags of uniform still discernible here and there as the lantern swung past them a musician in sky blue a fantasian an officer of the guard in scarlet forming a cross with domestics of the palace in red and orange the palace itself was quite in ruins together with all its surrounding barracks mosque and seraglio and as we reached the top of the grounds presented a picture very like those which i have seen of the ruins of persepolis only that here the columns both standing and falling were innumerable and all more or less blackened and through doorless doors we passed down immensely wide short flights of steps and up them and over strewed courtyards by tottering fragments of arcades all roofless and tracks of charcoal between interrupted avenues of pillars i following expectant and she very eager now finally down a flight of twelve or fourteen rather steep and narrow steps very dislocated we went to a level which i thought must be the floor of the palace vaults for at the bottom of the steps we stood on a large plain floor of plaster which bore the marks of the flames and over this the girl ran a few steps pointed with excited recognition to a hole in it ran further and disappeared down the hole when i followed and lowered the lantern a little i saw that the drop down was about eight feet made less than six feet by a heap of stone rubbish below the falling of which had caused the hole and it was by standing on this rubbish heap i knew at once 
that she must have been enabled to climb out into the world. I dropped down and found myself in a low, flat-roofed cellar with a floor of black earth, very fusty and damped, but so very vast in extent that even in the daytime, I suppose, I could not have discerned its boundaries. I fancy, indeed, that it extends beneath the whole palace and its environs, an enormous stretch of space, with the latter, I could only see a very limited portion of its area. She still led me eagerly on, and I presently came upon a whole region of flat boxes, each about two feet square and nine inches high, made of very thin laths, packed to the roof, and about a hundred and fifty feet from these I saw, where she pointed, another region of bottles fat-bellied bottles in chemises of weaker work, stretching away into gloom and total darkness. The boxes, of which a great number lay broken open, as they can be by merely pulling with the fingers at a pliant crack, contain dates, and the bottles of which many thousands lay empty contain, I saw, old ismith twine some fifty or sixty casks covered with mildew some old pieces of furniture and a great cube of rotting curling parchments showed that this cellar had been more or less loosely used for the occasional storage of superfluous stores and knick-knacks it was also more or less loosely used as a domestic prison for in the lane between the region of boxes and the region of bottles near the former there lay on the ground the skeleton of a woman the details of whose costume were still appreciable within brass gifts on her wrists and when i had examined her well i knew the whole history of the creature standing silent by my side she is the daughter of the sultan and i assumed when i had once determined that the skeleton is both the skeleton of her mother and the skeleton of the sultana that skeleton was her mother is clear for the cloud occurred just twenty-one years since and the dead woman was of course at that moment in the prison which must have been airtight and with her the girl but since the girl is quite certainly not much more than twenty she looks younger she must at the time have been either unborn or a young babe but a babe could hardly be imprisoned with another than its own mother i am rather inclined to think that the girl was unborn at the moment of the cloud and was born in the cellar that the mother was the sultana is clear from her fragments of dress and the symbolic character of her every ornament crescent earrings heron feathers and the blue kampaka enameled in a bracelet this poor woman i have thought may have been the victim of some unbounded fit of imperial passion incurred by some domestic crime real or imagined which may have been pardoned in a day had not death overtaken her master and the world 
there are four steep stones steps at about the centre of the cellar leading up to a locked iron trap-door apparently the only opening into this great hole and this trap-door must have been so nearly airtight as to bar the intrusion of the poison in anything like deadly quantity but how rare how strange the coincidence of chances here for if the trap-door was absolutely air-tight i cannot think that the supply of oxygen in the cellar large as it was would have been sufficient to last the girl twenty years to say nothing of what her mother used up before death for i imagine that the woman must have continued to live some time in her dungeon sufficiently long at least to teach her child to procure its food of dates and wine so that the door must have been only just sufficiently hermetic to bar the poison yet admit some oxygen or else the place may have been absolutely airtight at the time of the cloud and some crack which i have not seen open to admit oxygen after the poison was dispersed in any case the all but infinite rarity of the chance thinking these things i climbed out and we walked to pira where i slept in a great white stone house in five or six acres of garden overlooking the cemetery of Kasim, having pointed out to the girl another house in which to sleep this girl what a history after existing twenty years in a sunless world hardly three acres wide she one day suddenly saw the only sky which she knew collapsed at one point a hole appeared into yet a world beyond it was i who had come and kindled constantinople and set her free End of section twenty three. Recording by Gabby Cowan.